Well, hello and welcome once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of the Raging Skillet in New York City. And how the hell are you? I know I keep saying that. How the hell are you? How the heck are you? Does that make you feel better? I don't know. I like the word hell sometimes, but maybe it's because that's right where I'm going, right? No, no, no. I'm a good person. I'm not going there. I'm going somewhere else, somewhere nicer, somewhere with indoor plumbing for sure, and two-ply toilet paper, you know? I mean, I I know I'm going to a nice place because I'm a decent human being. So, but I digress already. I just got started. So here I am recovering from catering a really uh, intense wedding last night. And I do love the day after I've catered a wedding or an event that went fabulously um, because it's kind of like you feel like you deserve to veg out. You know, like normally I get a kind of a workaholic guilt complex that if I'm sitting still for five seconds, you know, what could I be doing? What more should I be doing? Surely I should be working out. Well, I did a little bit of that already. But surely I should be writing a novel or a play or going on a power walk or paying my bills or a million things I should be doing. But if it is the day after I've catered a fabulous event and I'm exhausted to the bone, I kind of feel like I have a right to just chill the heck out, you know? But it's kind of a nice thing. You know what I mean? Like when you're really tired, but you feel really proud of yourself. Like maybe you really kicked tushy at work and you really just did some huge thing. And here you are the next day and you're completely exhausted to the bone, but it's like a good tired. It's like a, you're proud of yourself tired. You know what I mean? Much better than just being tired because what you're exhausted from drinking too much beer and staring at the TV and you're tired from the pressure of raising your can to your mouth. I mean, yeah, all right. I'm not putting that down. You know, there's a place for that too. But that's not the kind of tired I like. I like the feeling good about yourself because you really kick us tired. You know what I mean? So this wedding was kind of worth a conversation. The deal is that the bride was vegan and the groom was not. And so, or maybe it's the other way around, but I think that's what it is. And so they hired a vegan Mexican restaurant to cater a buffet for their wedding for their 120 guests. And I'm guessing like 110 of them were not vegan. So like a month before the wedding, I mean, really kind of close to the wedding date, the mother of the groom, she said, oh, uh -uh, no way, honey, this is not going to fly. You cannot just have Mexican vegan food for all of our friends and family who are obsessed with meat and dairy. You just can't do it. So I'm going to hire some fancy schmancy New York City caterer to come in and do another buffet, kind of heavy on the meat and cheese. And so I get this crazy last minute request. I'm like, what? Are you serious? In one month? But you know what? I was able to do it. So there you have it. And... We wound up serving some gorgeous food. 
I did my famous churrasco steak and my famous chimichurri rojo. You have to try it. It's amazing. I did my famous classic Caesar salad, and I love a Caesar salad. I love making Caesar salad dressing, too. Did a whole bunch of hors d'oeuvres, even more meat. They were just like, no, 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 we got enough vegan stuff, bring on the meat. So we did lamb sliders and filet mignon brochettes. We're talking about a lot of meat. And then we did Baja fish tacos. You get it? I mean, it was great. Anyway, everyone loved it. They pigged out like crazy. And the piece de finale was, piece de resistance, were our perfect little sea salt, sea salt brownies and our new new addition, miniature strawberry shortcakes. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. So I'm feeling damn proud of myself. And all, well, not all my birds, but a couple of my birds came to visit. So now, you know, just to keep, keep track here, there was the original cardinal I was feeding from my windowsill. That was Freddie. Freddie and I had a love affair for a year and a half, but Freddie got pushed off by these two really rude morning doves that live on the roof, and I don't like them, Bert and Ernie. Anyway, then Freddie just never came back, and I was very forlorn. Forlorn? Forlorn? What's the word I'm thinking of? Oh, you know, email me and let me know. Anyway, I was bummed out. And so one day, you know, I'm just wistfully hoping I put a few pumpkin seeds out on the windowsill, and Franny comes. That's Fred's daughter, I've decided. And her boyfriend, Frankie, came. And then after a while, I got more love. I got Francesca, which was another female. I don't know where the hell she came from. And um, things kept percolating. And then I got a an odd bird, which was kind of like a female body and a male head so I decided that was transgender Fred so either it was Fred and Fred went and had some hormones and came back as transgender Fred or it's just a transgender cardinal but basically transgender Fred is Fredina or Frederina depending on my mood and a couple of days ago what I thought at first was Franny but is in fact a large loud really pushy Franny appeared and she's been coming like crazy she came three times today i named her franzilla because she's definitely a godzilla franny well what you don't know is a couple of days ago this weird cardinal showed up and he was kind of i mean ugly it's weird to see an ugly cardinal right he was ugly kind of blotchy and calico looking he looked a little bit like a couple of pigeons had gone to the bathroom on him i mean really a gnarly looking cardinal but, you know, cute in his ugliness, I suppose, the way, you know, bulldogs can be, you know, like cute in their ugliness. Um, love bulldogs, actually. Anyway, so I couldn't, I didn't really know what to make of him. But finally, I decided he was like, basically, the Frankenstein Cardinal. So that's what he is. He's Fredenstein. You know, so now we have Fredenstein, who's fairly terrifying, and we have Franzilla, so we have a couple of monsters coming, but I love them. And I've devised a system to get rid of the morning doves so that I can feed my cardinals. So what I do is I have a, a, a dish towel, and when the morning doves come to my fire escape, I wave the dish towel around like a crazy person and go, whoa, 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 really loud. I won't do it in your ear. And I scared them away. 
And then in the quiet, since they're gone, I put the seeds out and my array of cardinals come and eat. Now, all this is happening in the middle of New York City from my fire escape and my window. Kind of crazy, right? But now you're all cut up. So the new addition to the family is the Frankenstein Fred. So that's Fredenstein. And the other new addition is the Godzilla Franny, and that's Franzilla. And yes, I have people across the hall looking at me, and they think I'm crazy. I'm like waving my dish towel around, screaming and yelling and hooting and hollering and talking to birds. I'm sure they're talking about me. They're like, have you checked out the crazy lady across the way? But that's how I relax. Here I am relaxing, exhausted after catering this wedding. And I'm entertaining this motley crew of cardinals and scaring away the morning doves while simultaneously trying to stretch because my back hurts. And I did actually do three push-ups, believe it or not, and 10 sit-ups, but that's it. I'm stopping there because Diana, enough is enough. You know what I mean? Anyway, the wedding was gorgeous. I'm feeling proud. And you know, it just got me thinking. I know a friend of mine was just texting me and she sent me a recipe that made her laugh where she saw a recipe for tuna fish and spaghetti. And the reason it made her laugh were old friends. I've been best buddies since I was 17 years old. And back then, I used to take all the things my mother would send me in care packages and basically turn them into pasta. And I lived on pasta for all of my starving artist years. And that's probably why I became gluten intolerant. I mean, you know, you get enough of anything, you're going to get a little intolerant. And um, so I would make, she would come over and I would make tuna fish and pasta. And we'd heat up ragu tomato sauce and star-kissed tuna. And I would boil the pasta, mix it all together, and throw in whatever seasoning I had, which generally was just oregano, maybe some salt. And that's what I would make her. And she was just like, this is some weird crap. She's like, I don't know. You know, I grew up, I was born and raised in Harlem. We're eating some gorgeous food. I'm hanging out with this weird white chick from New Jersey and she's making tuna fish and pasta. I'm not down with it. But you know what? She ate it. Of course, smoke a joint, you can eat anything, you know. But so she saw the tuna and pasta recipe. She sent it to me laughing. And I said, you see, I used to be a genius. And she made a joke back and she said, what do you mean used to be? What are you, tired and old now? And I wrote back, well, today I'm kind of tired and old because I'm tired from catering this wedding. But actually, if I think about it, my creativity has not chilled in the least. I think I'm more creative now than I was when I was a stoner teenager. Isn't that a weird thing? And I started feeling proud of myself. You know, that's a great combination if you're tired, but you're proud of yourself. Just like my friend, Trelina, that I was talking to. She works harder than anyone I know, but she's feeling proud of herself. So she doesn't mind feeling tired. You know, that's a combination. Think about it. If you feel exhausted, but it comes from doing something you're really proud of, it's not a bad combo, you know? Anyway. I digress yet again. So let me talk to you about some of this gorgeous food we've been cooking this week. All right, here's the deal with my famous churrasco steak. So we love flank steak. Flank steak is great for catering. It's forgiving. Dinner can be a little early or a little late, and we can push it or pull it, and it just is forgiving. So we'll get the flank steak in the kitchen, and we'll 
prep off, you know, peel off a bit of fat and trimmings that you need to do, whatever you have to do to it. Then our marinade is, it comes great because I always like to garnish with fresh thyme and fresh rosemary and fresh scallion and chives, and I'll have a lot of fresh parsley. So we'll always have a leftover of all those things. And so once or twice a week, we'll puree the rosemary and the thyme and the chives and the scallion and the parsley with garlic and olive oil, and we keep it in quart containers in the freezer. So we had our flank steak, we pulled out two quarts of the beautiful marinade and mixed it up with the flank steak and then kind of Spanished it up a little bit, you know, or Brazilian it up a little bit with some ground coriander and some ground cumin and some smoked paprika. Made a gorgeous marinade. And then wedding day in our commercial kitchen, Manuelito grilled it to perfection. So now it's nice and grilled on the outside. And then we heat things up in what's called a proofing cabinet. It's filled with like camping fuel. So we laid out our grilled flank steaks and Manuel makes a huge fire. He'll put like six or seven or eight of these cans and just make a big inferno. And that kind of emulates like a hot oven. And then he puts the flank steak in, you know, flips it over, 10 minutes, flips it over. So it's basically been 20 minutes in there and then pulls it out and then lets it rest. And that is the deal with steak, whether you grill it or whether you sear it or whatever you do to it, you always want to let it rest. You don't want to cook it. So now it's cooked to, you know, close to where you want it. You don't want to just turn around and cut it open because then it's going to be all weird and bloody and nasty and gross. You got to let it rest. It needs a little break. It's exhausted. So you let it rest for 10 or 15 minutes. And then you know if you pulled it out when it's nicely rare and you let it rest, it's probably perfect. But if you want to, you can always throw it back in for another five minutes to warm it up and it's going to be fine. If you don't let it rest, it's going to be really a lot of chazarai. So they came out perfectly medium rare and gorgeous. And we sliced them, made a gorgeous slice on a big tray with beautiful fresh herbs to decorate them. And then I drizzled it luxuriously with my famous chimichurri rojo. So I make this a lot of different ways, but basically I get a lot of fresh cilantro that you really have to clean cilantro, let me tell you. Soak it in water three or four or five times because it's, there's always a little bit of dirt in it. But you got your fresh and dry cilantro. You dried it out on paper towels. You put it in, I put it in my food processor. And here's the thing, instead of throwing in fresh peeled garlic, I take all my fresh peeled garlic, I put it in a pot, cover it with olive oil, bring it to a simmer and cook it until the garlic is brown. And then I store it in quart containers covered in the oil in my refrigerator. And that means every time I need garlic oil or garlic, there it is, it never goes bad. It's not intense and biting. So I scooped out a bunch of this garlic with the cilantro pureed. I threw in some fresh jalapeno that I de-seeded and cut up a little bit, pureed. And I'm puree, puree. I give it some smoked paprika. I give it some cumin and some coriander, puree, puree. I give it a little bit of fresh lime juice, a little bit of fresh orange juice, and a couple of drizzles of sherry wine vinegar some ground black pepper, some ground white pepper, some kosher salt, 
puree, 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 darling. And then while I'm pureeing, I drizzle in the garlic oil that had cooked with the garlic. And oh my Lord, can I tell you how delicious this is. You will not believe how delicious it is. And then just for the little finishing touch, I give it a spoonful of tomato paste. So now I have this great red from the paprika and the tomato paste. I'm telling you, honey, it is a gorgeous sauce. And then I put it in a big squeeze bottle. And so now I have my gorgeous steak and I just zigzag like a Jackson Pollock design, my chimichurri rojo. That is downright delicious. You know, I was just telling a story to my sous chef, Jeremy, because uh, we're sitting in the kitchen, and I said, I can't believe I've been doing this for 34 years. And he was astonished. So Jeremy is 24 years old, and he's like, you've been doing this for 34 years? He couldn't even get his head around it. I started cooking 10 years before he was born. Well, that made me feel pretty old, but it kind of flipped him out too. And then I was talking about how it all began. It all began in the late 80s, and I... Um, I met this guy in the gym, Alex Alexander. Later on, he became my maitre d'. And I had just started trying to be a chef to cook for a living, but I was far from being a chef. And so he told me, well, he was the maitre d' for a catering company called Cynthia Caricio Catering. And he said, I can maybe get you in as an assistant to the chef. I said, great. So I did my first party with Cynthia and Cynthia she reminded me a lot of like Samantha from Sex and the City. She was very vivacious and I'm sure she's still very vivacious. I'm going to say she was in her 40s at the time. She dressed like a trashy 16-year-old. She was really, really into sex and really into talking about it and very, very perky and bubbly and called everyone sweetie. And she had enormous energy. And so I meet her and she's like, sweetie, you know, everyone was sweetie. And so I do the one party as the assistant chef and we had all this work booked and the chef quits. So then Cynthia says, would you like to be the chef? And I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? I've only ever cooked three or four times in my life professionally. But I didn't tell her that. So I said, oh, oh okay. And so she was considered very cutting edge at the time. She was doing mostly New Orleans food. And back in the late 80s, no one was doing New Orleans food in, in this, New York anyway. They were doing it in New Orleans. So it was considered very chic and cutting edge. And we did a lot of parties at a place called La Bella Pac, which also had a New Orleans theme. So every time she had the menu, she'd go, sweetie, this week, chicken jambalaya, shrimp creole, and vegetables etouffee. Can you do it, sweetie? Sweetie. And I said, sure, I'm an expert. No problem. I'd get off the phone. This is before the internet, Lord help me. And I'd go out and buy every Cajun and Creole cookbook I could find and then invite all my friends over and experiment on them until I felt comfortable that my jambalaya and my shrimp creole and my etouffee and all of these things were great. And then I would march into work like I felt like I was just such an expert. And it was very funny. So and then the best thing was after I was doing this for about a month, um, Alex found me, Alex Alexander found me, his friend Adam, who was an amazingly talented chef. He was the sous chef of a place called Lola on 22nd Street. 
and he had trained at Le Bernardin with under Eric Repair. Eric Repair, darling. I mean, that's as swanky as you get. Very talented chef, but zero ego. A gorgeous, sweet, lovable, wonderful Jewish gay man who just was the best person I ever met in my life. And he became my sous chef. So Adam, who was 10 times more experienced and 10 times more knowledgeable than I was, who I couldn't even hold a candle to, he became my assistant. It was very funny. But he had no ego. So I would say, Adam, make me a beurre blanc. And he would make the beurre blanc. And I'd look over his shoulder. I'd go, that's how you do it. I'd say, like, Adam, you know, make me, you know, make me a, you know, a bechamel. And I'd look over his shoulder. I'd be like, oh, that's how you do it. Very funny, you know. And he knew. And finally, one day, I'm like, Adam, you know, you know I don't know how to do any of these things. And he's like, who cares? It comes out fabulous. So... Anyway, between Adam and all the cookbooks and all the experimenting on my friends, within a couple of years, I actually really did learn how to cook. But it's amazing that I was carrying on as a chef of this catering company with about as much cooking experience as like your six-year-old kid. Maybe your six-year-old has more. And so many years later, I was escaping a really dysfunctional relationship and I went to a spa in Mexico and it was this great area of Mexico, Puerto Morales, which maybe the tourists have discovered now, but back then it was very sleepy and unknown and they had a beautiful spa there and I'm in the spa and I'm floating around in the pool and I look at the other side of the pool and I couldn't believe it. Who's floating in the pool? Cynthia, Cynthia Caricio, who had worked for Cynthia, if you're out there, I got to say, you looked fabulous. Unbelievable. This is now 20 years later, I think. So Cynthia must have been about 60 since she was about 40 the last time I saw her. And she really didn't look much different. I mean, she looked like she was maybe 40 years old. Just, I don't know, whatever she does, everyone else should do because the woman looked great. And so I was so happy to see her. She was so happy to see me. And we get to talking, and so I go, listen, Cynthia, I got to tell you, do you know, all those years ago when you hired me as a chef, I really didn't know how to cook. And every time you would ask me, show me a menu and ask me if I could do something, I would run out and buy all the cookbooks I could and practice on all my friends until finally I learned how to cook it and then come in and pretend I was an expert. I just had to tell you that. And she looks at me and she's like, who cares, sweetie? That food was fabulous. People are still talking about it. And there you have it. So I do think I should have gotten a trophy, a bona fide trophy, maybe made out of gold or pewter or something. And not because the food was great. It was pretty darn good with Adam as my sous chef. But the trophy for the biggest set of cojones, you know, the biggest set of balls, because there I am, this little inexperienced Jewish girl from New Jersey, being a chef for this busy catering company with no experience. And I pulled it off, and the only one who knew what I was doing was Adam. Gotta love him. Now, I think today I'm just going to think fond thoughts about Adam and Alex. Alex Alexander was a brilliant maitre d' and kind of a sad, lonely little boy in his own way. He always kept that sad, lonely little boy thing in his side. But he was a really good person. And he passed away very sadly from AIDS, unfortunately, in the 90s. And he died in the same hospital that Christopher Reeve went to after his accident. 
and my beautiful Adam, Adam Barnett, who really lived his life. The two people I've met in my life that lived their life more than anyone I've ever met were Adam Barnett and Barbara Beck. We lost our chef, Barbara Beck, last November. We miss you and love you, Barbara. And I lost beloved Adam in the 90s. And he just, it's just a man. He was a man who was only, I think he was only 35 when he died. He was one of the most beautiful looking people I ever knew. He looked a bit like Jim Morrison and Adam Ant combined. Beautiful body, worked out. But just no no ego, no stuck-up crap, no pretense. He just was always ready for a party, and he would always wear things no one could get away with. Like he would wear a pair of ripped-up jeans and a pair of little ankle boots, but then he would wear a white leather motorcycle jacket with nothing on under it and just go out like that. Who on earth could get away with a white leather motorcycle jacket? But he did. And one gay pride I saw him marching, and he was wearing a little pair of hot shorts and nothing else. And he was marching in stiletto heels with pearls around his neck with this beautiful body. I mean, the man was gorgeous. We would cater a wedding. And afterwards, I would want to go home and sit in my bathtub and just pass out. And, you know, the most energy I had was to just get in and out of the tub. But he would want to go out dancing. And he would always try to get me to go with him. And one day he talked me into going with him. And so I said, well, I'm only going to go out dancing with you if we go to a women's nightclub, a gay women's nightclub. I'm not going to go to a gay men's nightclub. And I thought he surely wouldn't want to go. But he said, oh, let's do it. So we went to a women's night. It was, I think it was at Private Eyes or one of these places that had a women's night. And I just felt filthy and tired and exhausted from catering. He splashed a little water on his face, shook his hair, and he was ready to go. He started dancing. Well, what I watched was I, I would compare it to a cross between Peter Pan and the Pied Piper. He got all the women in this nightclub, all the lesbians, in love with him. They were surrounding him in a circle. They were dancing with him. They were following him everywhere. They just loved him. And he even got me out of my funk, and I started dancing with him too. And I just thought, oh, my God, Adam, what is your secret? Like, I know, all right, I know you're good-looking, but it's not about that. It was just this joie de vivre that came from his very soul. And he got a whole nightclub full of lesbians to not give a hoot about each other and just focus on him and be in love with him. It just was an amazing thing to behold. I don't know what to say about that. Well, I guess I did. That's what I had to say about that. Now, I didn't realize that he had gotten his diagnosis. I didn't know. And back then, when you were told that you were HIV positive, it really was a death sentence. It wasn't like now you get bad news, and it's still terrible news, and people are still dying. But, you know, you can, you, you can live. Go on the cocktail. You can still have a life. Back then, it was different. It really was just black gloom. And so he uh, got the news, and I didn't know it. All I knew is he always had this long, curly black hair, and he decided to just suddenly get up and move to San Francisco. So he dropped everything. He moved to San Francisco. He dyed his hair platinum blonde and cut it short. 
And then after he spent a couple of months in San Francisco, he came back. He looked adorable with his short platinum hair. And um, then he decided to go to India. I'm like, wow, he's just going everywhere. Flew to India, had a wild time in India. And then I saw him at the gym after India. He looked much, much skinnier. He looked like he dropped um, at least 30 pounds, maybe 40 pounds. And he said that he'd caught a parasite when he was in India, which I know happens to people when they travel. And I suppose if I got the same thing, I wouldn't enjoy it, but I would most likely live. But in this case, between that and him having um, HIV, which later on became AIDS, the parasite was too much. And uh, ultimately, he went home to his parents, very loving parents, in Pittsburgh. And he, his boyfriend and his best friend came to stay, and he still didn't tell me that he had AIDS. But he died there very peacefully, um, surrounded by love, and I was able to shower him with flowers and love when I finally did know. I sent flowers and beautiful letters and thanked him for being so wonderful and kind and, and helpful and being the reason I'm a chef today. And anyway, we lost beautiful Adam. So I didn't mean to end on such a sad note, except to say, thank God, AIDS is, you know, not what it used to be. I wish it was gone entirely. But life is short. So please cherish love and cherish yourself and live every day in your entire life. Don't waste a minute. In honor of Barbara Beck, in honor of Adam Barnett, I'm not wasting any time. But today I'm not wasting time. I'm chilling out because I'm tired. Good tired, proud tired. All right, I'm shutting up now. Food is love and so are you. Now go out and get your joy on.